Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. I am back. Welcome back, bro. Yeah. Voice warmed up. We got a nice little cough going this morning. How are you feeling? I, I feel good. It's a little bit harder to wake up, and you you were just on vacation not too long ago. Yeah. It's getting that blood flowing early, right? Yeah. I've been waking up 8, which is really late for me, and then all of a sudden to change that to 5, like three hours off that, it's huge difference. What's harder, the getting to bed at night or the getting up in the morning? Because the whole schedule changes when you're on vacation. Well, it was frustrating because I was laying in bed last night trying to get to sleep, right. and I literally could not fall asleep because I was used to staying awake, so I knew it was going to hurt. It was just the mental mind, you know what, yeah, so yeah, I was yeah, kind of yeah, messed yeah. up there. Uh, but it's going to be back. Can't wait to talk about a bunch of stuff. Urban Meyer, the Ohio State stuff, scandal, whatever you want to call it. It continues to go on. We're going to hit on that. Uh, we're going to get to some surprise video of you uh, singing. Like, me? Yeah, I didn't know you had the I pipes. I don't have chops have them. to sing. So no. we're going to get to hear you sing a little bit. Yeah. Um, but before we get to the Ohio State thing, I, wanted, I, I think I realized I made a big mistake in life. I think I picked the wrong sport. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like what, I, what should you? I, so baseball? I was, nope. No? Nope. Golf? Nope. What? Tennis. Yeah, <laughs> so I was on vacation and I couldn't get outside. It was raining where we were, but right. the only thing you could do was basically tennis because they had this huge barn you could play in. So indoor tennis, played a bunch of tennis, and I was like, you know what? I should have played tennis. I'm not bad. Big serve. Are you oh. Ready? I know you <laughs> wait, played some as a junior. wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I thought you were saying this for some. You're saying it because you're pretty good at it. Yeah. You're saying it because you I'm were feeling yourself. Real. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying it was going for real. I went and bought a tennis outfit yesterday. A tennis so we, outfit. We need to go out and play tennis, Danny. I play a little bit tennis day. So I have this thing with my sister, like we play. Playing a lot of uh, we're playing a lot of like different rec leagues or like um, uh, like intramural type of leagues, co-ed stuff. And I'm like the guy. Like if we're going to play softball, I gotta buy like the softball pants. Yeah, I gotta get myself. Art. So you were tennis, Danny. Like, and I call myself like I'm either like softball Raj or like soccer Raj. <laughs> yeah. I'm tennis Raj sometimes. Like right. Danny, uh, tennis Danny was we in the building do this weekend. We gotta get tennis right. Danny out there sometime. All right, uh, I want to have a little bit of fun before we get to some serious stuff because yeah. the Ohio State. Uh, scandal that's going on right now is unfortunately it's a part of the national conversation almost you know every other day it seems like that some sometimes, story right? that comes out that's negative that has a you know it's domestic violence yeah. some issue that's out there and it's 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 good because i think we're getting to a better place as a country where we're listening to more victims uh but it's not a lot of fun to talk about right it's and it's hard to talk about but there is uh more to update to the story since friday late friday afternoon you had Urban Meyer put out his statement, and he kind of told his side of the story. Zach Smith, uh, the you know abuser in this situation, came out and gave his side of the story. Right, and it kind of felt uncomfortable. Urban Meyer came out with his statement, and kind of the 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 highlight of it for me was that he admitted to knowing about it after having lied about it at Big Ten Media Days. And in part of his statement, he admitted this, so it's not like I'm calling Urban Meyer a liar because in his statement it said, "quote." Unfortunately, at Big Ten Media Days on July 24th, I failed on many of these fronts. My intention was not to say anything inaccurate or misleading. However, I was not adequately adequately prepared to discuss these sensitive personnel issues with the media, and I apologize for the way I handled those questions. I thought that was an important admission. Yeah. More importantly, I thought what was very interesting, and I thought this was Urban Meyer's kind of play in all this, was that he mentioned that he went to Ohio State athletic director at the time, Gene Smith, and at the time of these, you know, initial incidences, and he said, I did everything I was supposed to do. I reported these, and it was talked about. So to me, it's Urban Meyer. His play is saying, hey, if I'm going down, everybody's going down. And I thought it was an interesting tactic for Urban Meyer to take in this situation by saying, you know what? This wasn't only me. I told everybody, and there were some safeguards in place and maybe those failed maybe we all failed but he's not going down alone right uh so what does your gut say about urban in this situation just curious like what do you, like wh- i think because when you I, say I, when you say like his play in it yeah i mean there's like, a tactic I, right. I think it, and it's a legal tactic because there's a lot of money at stake if he gets fired with cause he gets zero yeah if he gets fired without cause there's 35 million dollars he's owed sure and he wants to be head coach right so he's gonna do whatever he can to salvage his job my initial reaction when this prop came out from Brett McMurphy was, oh, Urban Meyer just got caught in a big lie. 
And, you know, like, and he did yeah. know about it. And so I was like, but then it, the discussion becomes, all right, well, what does that mean? And what should the repercussions be? Should he be fired? Should he be suspended? Should anything happen? So that's kind of where my, my, you know, mindset changed. That's why I kind of moved forward. Because the minute you heard the report, you're like, all right, he knows what happened. Of course, there's no way he doesn't. He and knew in 09 like, and no one And then, 15. you know, and this is some of the worst part of college football fans and any fans and any fan bases is that you see the fans take the side of the school and the coach. They're going to protect their program. And that's the problem with this, our society today is where we've kind of gone historically is, oh, yeah, well, you know, maybe she's crazy. Maybe she's lying. And you kind of, you victim shame. Yeah. And we've come to a place now where we've, we've done better at doing that. But that's kind of what's disappointing to me as you see some of these message boards and some of the stuff that's said online. You're like, sure. Oh, is this where we're going to go with this? I don't, uh, at the risk of sounding very insensitive, cause I don't, like I, I, there's no tolerance for any of that. Like I have a daughter. I've got a mom, a sister, a, a beautiful wife. Like I, there's no, of course. Um, having said that, Urban's not the abuser in this situation. Um, now, if he did not follow proper protocol and did not tell Gene Smith um, that this had happened, that's that's another can of worms for me, I guess. Right? Like there, there's a there's a level of culpability there that that you could fire somebody with cause for that. You didn't follow protocol. Um, but my question then becomes like if if he did let Gene Smith know. Um, what more was he supposed to do, I guess? Like, was he supposed to take it upon himself um, after turning it over to a higher authority to do more digging into the situation and then act accordingly on his own? Like, uh, yes, you can make a case that maybe he should have fired, um, what's his name, Alex Smith? Like, uh, I'm not Alex, Zach Smith, I'm sorry. Like, you, I, I get that. But let's say I turn that over to my boss, right? And I'm expecting my boss to come back and give me some kind of, like, Give me some kind of instruction going forward on this situation, and it gets buried at a level higher than me. Like, you know, Urban's got a lot of stuff on his plate. Like when you're running a program, like maybe maybe he was just consumed with running his program. He never heard from Gene Smith again or the university regarding it, and so it was business as usual. Like I don't know, I wasn't there. Um, I think that's what they're trying to sift through with this independent like review. Like they're trying to figure out, and I think it's as simple as cause uh, or, or or not cause, and then whether or not. You know, Gene Smith had it, and did he do what he was supposed to do with it, right? They're trying to find out at what level the ball was dropped on. And I, that, that will ultimately determine whether he was fired, whether he's fired with cost, or, you know, maybe it's a situation where, you know, there's some kind of suspension, right? right. Like, the, and, and you kind of, like, you got to pay penance, but they get to retain the coach. You know what I mean? Like, I, they're trying to sort that out. I don't know at what, at what level the ball was dropped on this, but I... And, and Urban lied, surely, and he was caught in a lie. But that in and of itself, I think, is to some degree forgivable. If you'll just compartmentalize and get rid of what the, what the offense was by, by his wide receivers coach. Do you understand what I'm right. saying? Like, if I'm, like, people lie all the time when you're doing those jobs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, now this was an egregious thing, but people lie all the time. And so, you know, I, I, I guess, again, the question for me is, did Urban take it? And that's everybody's question. Did he take it where it needed to go? And then, you know, I guess the responsibility then, in my opinion, if I took it where it needs to go and you didn't further that, then the responsibility is now on you. Like, Urban's neck is clean. Yeah, it's – in our society, most people love to say, I would have done the right thing. I would have done this. I would have well, done it better. Yeah. I would have fired him. If I would have known that, I would have done this. It's really hard to place yourself in those shoes. And I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying not everybody would have done that. There is an sure. instinct in most people – to protect your family, to protect your team, to protect your company. It's just kind of the natural instinct. And sometimes people will do the wrong things to protect their friends, their family, or whatever that may be. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's kind of where I look at it. I'm like, it's really easy to sit here and say, yep, I would have done this. You don't know that situation. He obviously had a relationship with a coach who's been on his staff for a decade, and maybe that's where his biggest fault was, was protecting somebody instead of looking out for the victim, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing I think that, that drives me nuts in this is anytime you see this happen, whether it's initially the Ray Rice, which kind of kicked off a lot of this movement when you had the Ray Rice video come out and the NFL didn't handle it correctly. So people, when I say people, it's like the Twitter mob and, you know, opinion columns, yeah. and all that. they came out and they crushed the NFL, right? Uh, in other instances, you crush a certain team because they didn't handle it correctly. Now we're hit, sitting here crushing Urban Meyer saying he should be fired. My thing is, why isn't there more outrage at the justice system 
which fails the victims the most. Like, because they're, they're constantly, yeah, we know about these cases because of the magnitude of, because it's somebody that's famous or they're involved in these organizations. Right. But there are hundreds of thousands of cases that you see out there that nobody knows about that aren't prosecuted where they don't, you know, they don't, um, make the arrest. They don't press charges. And too many times, like, why are, why isn't the outrage at a system, a justice system that protects the victims better? Yeah. And we're outraged at the teams just because they make headlines. You know, I'm, this is a, this is a tough one for me because I've talked about this. Anyone who knows me, I talk about this a lot. Uh, I had experience at Boston University. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't like, um, domestic violence, but I had three teammates kicked off a team for rape. Um, and a young lady said, you know, that, that they had raped her and, and, you know, they went through this whole process. Their scholarships stripped. You know, they were put in jail and, you know, I had to, you do whatever you do to get out and go through the legal system. And then a year later, uh, she said she made, you know, she made a mistake. She dropped all charges. She wasn't really raped. She was just embarrassed about what had taken place. And, and, and so like victims are victims. And then sometimes innocent people can be victims of someone that's, you know, so it's a really tricky situation. And I, this got nothing to do with this Ohio right. State situation. Um, but it's just, it's one of those things where it kind of tugs at me because yeah, I, dude, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like anytime, um, a woman is victimized and, and she's not taken care of through the, through our legal system. Like that's a fail. Right. Um, and, but then there are other instances and I've, I've lived it where I saw three of my good friends lives ruined, um, by a false accusation. And yeah. that's, that's tough too. And I've, there's, there has to be a balance somewhere in our society where there is a due process where you do get your day in court. And when you are innocent until proven guilty, because sadly now we've kind of tilted too far the other way where you're guilty until you prove yeah. your innocence, yep. which is not a good thing either. So we'll see. Ohio State, uh, they did put on an announcement that said they'll have the Urban Meyer investigation decision, whatever suspension or firing takes place, uh, within 14 days. So that'll be something interesting as Ohio State is ranked third in the country and yeah. playing for national championship. The number one team in the country. No, I don't want to, like, I don't want to skip that. I know Debo's in your ear. I know oh, he's yeah. in your ear to skip, yeah. like, the, how the Buckeyes can overcome the, yeah. but I think that's really, really interesting. And my bad Debo for hijacking. No, that's fine. But, you know, the question that was going to be posed was how can the Buckeyes overcome the, the distraction? At, real quick, like what, yeah. you, what, like what, what's your teams are re- so they already have, and it's kind of a mess of a situation when they have a couple head co- uh, former head coaches on their staff, Greg Schiano and Kevin Smith, both who couldn't be named interim coach because they have their own history of issues, yeah, which kind of speaks to a bigger problem. Uh, they've got a couple head coaches on their staff. Greg Schiano can kind of run the defense. Ryan Day, who they've elevated to interim co- coach, he runs the offense. And Urban is very involved in the offense. But I've, I'm telling you, college football is a lot about the talent acquisition. And it's about the, uh, it's not about the X's and O's as much as it is about the Larry's and the Joe's. Yeah. They have some studs on that team. So I, I think they'll be okay. They have a critical game early. Uh, I believe it's TCU is week four, I believe, or something like they play TCU. It's one of their week three. So three. like if Urban gets a four, four game suspension, then I think it could be interesting because that TCU game could have national title yep. implications. But like I think they'll be okay on the football field. But when you're talking about the standard that Ohio State has set, it's the difference in maybe a 10 and two season and a 12 and 0 undefeated season and going to the Big Ten championship game. Yeah. So it does have an impact on the field for sure. All right. Another situation that is apt, that's all on the field yep. is what's going on at Alabama with the quarterback situation. We all watch it unfold. Halftime, Alabama's offense is doing nothing. Jalen Hurts, who had, you know, led him to an SC, you know, uh, uh, SEC player of the year is freshman year, led him to a national championship game the pre- previous year. He comes out, benches him to a Tonga comes in second and 26, hits the game winning throw. The rest is history, right? Yeah. I assume to a Tonga would step into the quarterback role. Everybody kind of assumes that's going to happen. Apparently everybody kind of knows what's going on except for Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Hurts, let's hear what he said. It, I think it was the first time he's really been available to the media in Tuscaloosa. Let's hear what he said about the quarterback competition. It was like for me, no no one came up to me the whole spring, coaches included. No one asked me how I felt. No one asked me um, what was on my mind. No one asked me, you know, how I felt about the things that were going on. Nobody asked me what my future in in held, and um, that's that. So now it's like when we try and kind of handle the situation now, it's for me it's, it's kind of late. It's too late. It, it, the narrative has already been, already been created. created. All right, so I feel bad for Jalen Hurts 
When I hear him say that, I think this was handled wrong. I think it was handled poorly from a guy. And this is what I think makes it very unique and very different and why Alabama deserves to give him every right to do whatever he needs to do. I don't think I've ever seen a player handle a benching as well as he did in the national championship game. Right. He had, and some guys fake it when you go, when you get benched, you know, like I was there, I got sure, benched, dude. clap and yeah. act like you care. Make it look right. He was invested in the game. He talked to Tua Tonga-Valova almost every series. After the game, he said all the exact, exact words that you would have written up for somebody to write about your team. He's been, he was the perfect teammate and this is the thanks he gets. That to me is messed up. Yeah, I think it, it it's it's all the way messed up. First of all, I, I like the haircut. Yeah, I do. Like I like much much neater. Have you ever had more, them longer? Nah, not the big dreads. <laughs> I my son wants dreads. I can't do that, dude. No dreads for me. Um, but uh, I think it's why he. You can argue whether or not he can make, you know, the throws, or he can throw people open, or or so on and so forth. But I don't know if you can argue with the fact that Jalen Hurts is a leader. Like he's always been one. It's the reason why he was. You know, one of the best quarterbacks in college football, and he wound up at Alabama, and he's led them, whether it's been with his legs or not. Like, he's led them over the past few years. So it's not surprising to me that being benched, he would still be invested in it because he seems like like his character is that type of cat. Like, it wouldn't be a fake. Like, he's invested in the team thing. Uh, and then, you know, that can be like a hard pill to swallow when you are that consummate team guy. And then the tables are flipped and you realize the program isn't the Jalen guy. Like, you know what I mean? Right. I'm the Bama guy and now the Bama's not the Jalen guy. That can hurt you. And I, I saw hurt in his face in that interview. It sucked for him. I would say this. I said it months ago when we talked about it. He shouldn't be there at this point. Mm -hmm. You should be gone. You should not be at Alabama media day on the first day of practice. And if you decided, I'm saying he should have transferred as soon as that took place, as soon as the writing was on the wall, there's, I, you can't even argue the fact that the Alabama team rallied around Tua, um, and they clearly, he throws the ball better. Like, mm -hmm. he's got the higher upside in terms of being a quarterback. The writing is on the wall for you. And while pride and wanting to battle for it, I'm all for that. But you've only got a certain amount of time to play college football. I say bounce. I say leave. And if you decided you were going to stay through spring ball and try to work this out and really fight for your position, once two months had gone by and you had not heard from anybody regarding this, the writing is now clearly on the wall. You can't you can't hide from this. So, you know, I don't I don't know what you do going forward. Can he still redshirt if he goes through all of like fall ball um and he leaves before the season starts? Like I don't know what kind of ramifications are like Yeah, as long as he doesn't play in a game. Yeah, as long as he doesn't play in a game, he could redshirt. I would look for him to bounce. Like I think this is I think it's been handled poorly as well. Nick Saban again, I will always side with a kid in a situation like this because he is just that, a kid. Nick Saban makes 75 million dollars a year right. like like if the kid has a chance to go play somewhere and you know he's not in your future and you have a backup and two is the guy just tell the kid dude you're not gonna play like you're not gonna play here thanks for the service go find yourself a better opportunity that's my vote so Saban responded said quote there's no straw vote with the players as to who will be the quarterback since it wouldn't be unanimous it would only be divisive it has to be done at a higher level agree with him there Here's where I disagree, and here's here's where I think Saban runs into a problem, and this could be problematic for him. Is he's always his players are asked to be robots, right? Yep. And that's a good like that's worked for him, right? It's sure. the hardest thing to do is to get guys to focus from day one to the last game of the season and win national championships. He gets his players to focus. He, he's always believed in hey, it's a team above everything else, and even you know he, he it would it, this is what's shocking to me is that he had a player come out and say this. Because most of his play, uh, players do buy into that right. um, kind of brainwashing where you don't say anything to ruffle any feathers. You don't ever put the spotlight on yourself. That's what's surprising me in this circumstance. Uh, for Jalen Hurst, though, you mentioned the writing on the wall. I don't. I think for him, I think he deserved more than to just have to read the writing on the wall. I think he deserved a conversation. I agree. To sit down with either Nick Saban or his quarterback coach or somebody on that staff should have said what – What's your goal? Like what, you know, we, we love what you've done for the program. We, here's, here's the deal. You're going to compete for the job. If you don't win it, you're not going to play. Like, and being that obvious. And all right, let's look at other options. Do you have any interest in playing wide receiver? No, they'll never do that. Want to get to the NFL? Never do that. Right. But that's what should have happened. In of course. But you're like, you're looking I mean, at that's it. That's utopia. Like, yeah. That's a perfect, perfect world. That's a perfect world. Right? right. But what you've got is Nick Saban saying, Hey, I've got this guy who's led my team for two years. 
Um, I can keep him on the back burner. We know that this kid's got a higher upside, but I want to keep this insurance policy in place, right? You know, in case the young end something happens, or God forbid he gets injured, then I can still go back to Jalen. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these guys, and that's why I always say, um, yeah, he deserved a conversation. You're damn right he did, right? But once you realize that you're not having that conversation, like they, you got to take the blinders off. Yeah, it's, it, it is a utopia while you're while you're winning championships and you're the starting quarterback and your team, team, team. But once you realize that the team isn't you. Like they don't have your interest in your best interest in mind. Like now you got to start to rethink this. Yeah. Right. Maybe maybe I don't leave right away, but I certainly want to get a feel for this. Maybe it was incumbent upon Jalen to go in and say, "Hey, coach, you know, you mind if we have a sit down real quick? Because you know, obviously Tua came in and had a great game. Um, there's nothing wrong with being a 19 year old kid and going to talk to your head coach. He right. may not love it. Right. But this is your future, young man. You go in there, you take the bull by the horns. So hard though, when you're that young to go into a position. See, I was, I like was, that. I was. Maybe that's why people thought I was an asshole. Like, <laughs> but I had no problem saying, "Coach, hey, what's up, man? Like, you know, we you brought me here for this. Like, what what's going on? Like, can I?" I had no problem asking somebody for that. I want to make something clear, though, because I get accused all the time of Bama fans, like, crushing them. And there are a lot of times they're a topic of conversation. There is no way all these quarterback competitions are legitimately taking place and the coaches really don't know who's playing. The reason they have these competitions play out until the very last minute is so they don't lose a guy. So the guy doesn't transfer. So it's not only at Alabama. It happens all over college football. And unfortunately, that's kind of a harsh reality yeah. when you realize, and I, there's a, when I, when you get to the NFL, you realize it's business, but there's also a point when you were in college and you realize, oh, this is a big business and it's more than that. This one for me though, I want to say, like, I'm not blaming Bama. I, I think it's as much on Jalen mm-hmm. as it is on Bama because I think he should have already made this move. I think yeah. he, he and his representative, his family, they should have kind of calibrated, seen, seen like the forest through the trees and, and kind of got their ducks in a row. And I don't think they did a good job of that. All right. Let's get to you after here because we got a fun one today. It's a little, uh, karaoke, a little D Wade and uh-huh. Jimmy Butler karaoke. Let's see how they got any pipes on them. Oh. <laughs> That's great. That is awesome. I mean, it looks late night. Karaoke. Where is that? I don't know, but it looks good. And you're always like, when there's that many people kind of singing along with you, you're just going to let it belt yeah, out. Why not? You know? Um, you know who was one of the best karaoke dudes ever? Ooh. Pat Burke. Really? Pat Burke, uh, played at Auburn, played with me in Spain and with the Suns for a while, played for the Magic for a little bit. Um, great karaoke dude. <laughs> really? Like, absolutely. So like, like he sounded like he could have been a singer. Yeah. Well, not really like a singer. Like his voice wasn't that great, but it was adequate, but he just performed. You know, and at a karaoke bar, it was fun to watch. I like Jimmy Butler. I think he's got a really good personality. I enjoy watching his stuff. Oh, yeah, he's really yeah. good. All right, how about some football? Some rookies. That's part of the tradition. Rookies have to sing. So here's the Colts rookies going through their typical training camp experience. Baby girl, oh. what's your name? Okay. Let me talk to you. Let me buy you a drink. I'm DK. You don't. Baby girl. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Terrible. how about you 17 years ago? What? Yeah, Has give it, it to me, Devo. Happy birthday. <laughs> <to> <laughs> you. He said he played forward, that little. Herb Brown. That's Peter Vesey's son right there holding the ball next to Alex. Oh, that's great. Did you have to sing as a rookie? Like, did you, did you have, like, that's the thing in the NFL, you had to sing your fight song. Yeah. I remember, like, skipping dinner every time, because I didn't want to, I'd go eat at Burger King. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to sing in front of We didn't have to do it. We didn't have, we sang happy birthdays, we handed out gear, we did all that stuff. No individual solo. No, but when I went to Phoenix and I was a vet, (laughs) those guys had to come in and sing a song in front of a whole restaurant. Um, we had a kid named Lucas Tischer. He was from Brazil, spoke very little English. He performed like the girl from Ipanema. It was like the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> six nine, two seventy, singing like. No doubt, there's always somebody that totally shocks yeah. you that either is really good or they're really funny, and you never saw it, it was coming. Both. All it was right, both. that's, that's yeah. part of that's part of the fun of it. All right, coming up, Calvin Benjamin was traded from the Panthers, but that's not stopping him from just going all in on Cam Newton. But I do think he has a point, and it's PGA Championship week. Our boy. Justin Thomas, should he be favored? We're going to talk about that next on Off the Bench. All right. Uh, welcome back. Let's get right into a segment called Read and React, Danny. So the Red Sox, they walked it off last night for a rare sweep of the Yankees. Uh, they beat New York in four straight over the weekend, including a comeback on Sunday. Uh, they rallied from three down in the ninth, uh, followed by an Andrew Benintendi walk-off. They outscored the Yanks 28-13 to in this series. 
This race looked like it was going to come down to the wire. Nine and a half Last games. week of the season, it is a wrap. It is over. Now the Yankees are going to be put in this wild card, most likely be put in this wild card game situation. Uh, the one game play-in to get to the next round, and that is a scary proposition when you have, you know, three hours and you get a pitcher who gets hot against you, you could be looking at the end of the season staring in the face. So it could not have gotten much worse, including last night. Like I fell asleep and I was like, oh, at least they're not going to get swept. And then they come back and, uh, and end up losing the game. Brutal, uh, brutal series for the Yankees. All right. Well, Connor, Connor McGregor to make his return in Las Vegas versus Khabib. McGregor cryptically teased the announcement, uh, with this tweet on Friday. <laughs> when there a horror movie? <laughs> what? When, there's a horror movie. When there like the Leprechaun? The Remember leprechaun? that horror? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. I was a little murder. Yeah, that's what that reminds me. <laughs> My man, Psycho. I can't. I, there is one dude, and all this like you tune in to watch LeBron. You turn in to watch Tom Brady. I'll tune in to watch him fight. And I'm glad he's getting back in the ring because Dana White at one time hinted, hey, when you have $100 million in the bank, you know, it's hard, you know, how much do you really want to get smacked in the mouth? Right. He is a fighter. The guy was born to fight and he's not going to go out any other way than that. I agree with you. Uh, I don't know much about Khabib, but McGregor, all these legal troubles, they, troubles, they stemmed from him attacking a bus that this dude Khabib was on, right? Like yeah, this I is a bad so. blood no. fight. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Like, that's that's really awesome. Good. That's yeah. fantastic. Like that's another reason to tune in and watch it. No doubt. All right. Uh-oh. FSU announces Uh-oh. that they plan to hold their practices off campus from August 12th to the 16th. Uh, they'll be holding practices off campus, meaning they'll be closed to media and public. They'll be held at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. This is a brilliant move from yeah. Taggart. It falls along the lines. Remember Jim Harbaugh took his team in spring, in spring football and took them down to IMG Academy? Yep. It's so you get in front of a lot of recruits. It's a talent-rich state. It's a talent-rich academy Absolutely. where they have a ton of four- and five-star recruits on that team. You basically get in there. They can get hands-on with them. They'll be careful. They'll do it legally. But it's a chance to showcase your skills there. And I actually wish we did this when I was in college. Moving your training camp just makes it have a different feel. Absolutely. And in today's environment where it's not as strenuous, it's not as rigorous as it was, it was you can't practice that much, it's a it's a bonding period. Like you do get away when you're forced to all be together and only your team. Yeah, there's some value in that. So I think it's smart on a number of different levels. So IMG is absolutely killing the game. Yeah, like not only are they pulling like the best kids in Florida, but they're pulling like the best kids across the country. Kind of like a college. It is like a college. <laughs> but would you send your child? Would you send them away no. as like a senior or a I junior? Because I'm selfish. Like I would want to be around my kids. Like I I would want to be a part of them. I, it'd be really hard for me to send my kids off and say goodbye. You know, and only see my on the weekends or only go watch them play. Yeah. I want to have breakfast with them. I want to have dinner with them. Like, Me I too. Be but what them. if they were like, what if, what if they were just like, if uh, this is, this is where it would get unique for me. If it's my kid really was begging me to go. Right. Then I would want to listen and do what's best for them. But if it was just, cause I think this is where I think the problem is, is too many parents are like, Hey, I want my kid to go to IMG because that's going to get them a scholarship or that's going to have them get to the NFL or MLB right. or NBA. If my kid came to me and had this interest that I want to take it to the next level, this is how serious I want to take it, then I might do it. So we're going to go again off the rails here because my son is asking me to reclass him. He's in the, he's going into sixth grade. Um, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Uh, we play basketball teams where you can play age based and in age based, like you have to be true 11U, but in grade based, which is what we play, they allow you for a year of a holdback in case a kid didn't pass or something like that. So we're playing, he's 11, a brand new 11. We're playing against kids that are turning 13 next month. He sees the advantage that they have physically. And it's a, like, it's really my, my wife and I are stuck because we're like, we got to decide. Were you held back? I was not. And I, and I I, was, I I was very immature coming out as a, as a freshman. I was held back as a kindergartner, right? And it was not because academics. No. Because my family, for that reason, they wanted me to be more, more mature. They wanted me to, you know, have a better, better leadership skills. And also athletically, you get a leg up if you're one of the older kids in your class. Yeah. Malcolm Gladwell talked about in his book Outliers and he talked about the impact it had on hockey players where they classify everything where it's 11U and they're only age specific. But the kids who were born earlier in the year actually were like they had a better chance of success because even within that year, they were just a little bit older. So they were treated differently, looked at differently. Everybody saw them as a better athlete. Yeah. And it was a lot of it was because that kid was older, but it's just a mindset that gives you, I've never met anybody that has held their child back. That is regretted. Regretted. Like all of them have said, best move I've ever made. Maybe not best move. I don't go that far. But most people have said, I'm glad I did it.
Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. All right, so look, let's hit, let's move on to overreaction, proper reaction. Yeah. Uh, Justin Thomas should be the favorite to win the PGA Championship. Uh, he easily won the Bridgestone with 15 under, you know, top and second place, Kyle Stanley by four strokes. He went 65, 64, 67, and 69. It's his third win this season, ninth of his career. Um, he's the favorite, PGA Championship. Over uh, it's overreaction. Here's why. I, I mean, I would, I actually like him where he is with these odds at 16 to 1, a little bit better, a longer shot than Rory McIlroy or Jordan Spieth at 12 to 1. I kind of like him at those. It's really hard to go back to back. I don't see how you have anybody but Dustin Johnson. He's still the number one player in the world. He's still so dominant out there. But I, if I'm a golfer, I wouldn't want to be the favorite. I'd, I kind of want to be one of the other guys. Sure. Because you have a little bit less pressure on you and nobody in golf has ever won as many, like, it's, Usually a non-favorite wins, except if Tiger Woods in his prime. Like, he was the only guy that would go out there and would be the favorite and would actually back it up. So right. Just, I think JT's in a good spot where he is. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The only uh, thing I'm mad at is that the, I'm mad at him for dominating so much. Because when I sit down and watch golf, I want to see, like, great shots at the finish. And he sure. great. But he I want to see it come it. down to the wire. Yeah. It was done. It was done, like, for the last nine you holes. You know who looked done? Tiger looked done. He looked tired. Yeah. And that's that's one of the big question marks to this end of the season stretch. Yeah. How's he going to be playing so many weeks in a row? He looked tired. All right. Well, you teased this one uh, before we went to break. Uh, overreaction or proper reaction? Kelvin Benjamin is on to something. Uh, in October 17, Benjamin was traded, obviously, from the Panthers to the Bills. So let me read the quote. Yep. Um, in a recent interview with The Athletic, he says, I mean, I felt like I would have been even more successful if, uh, I don't know, man, if I would have... Looking back on it, I should have just been drafted by somebody else. I should have never went to Carolina. Truly, I just think Carolina was a, was bad for me. It was a bad fit from the get-go. If you would have put me with another quarterback, let's be real. You know what I'm saying. Any other accurate quarterback like Rodgers or Eli Manning or Big Ben, anybody. Quarterbacks with knowledge that know how to place a ball and give you a better chance to catch the ball. I just felt like I wasn't in that position. Shots fired. All right. He's onto something is the proper reaction. I hate the way he threw his old quarterback under the bus. I just think it's a bad look. Like why, why do you have to go make these comments? Uh, his own coach pretty much said the same thing. Sean McDermott said there's a time and a place. I'm not saying specific to what comments were made. There's a time and a place for things like that. Basically saying, I wish my quarterback hadn't said this. Yeah. I tweeted it out because it was, they were very strong words and I do think they were accurate. So Cam Newton to me, is the most physically gifted quarterback in the NFL. I think he could be the have I think he could have a LeBron James type dominance right. in the NFL if he applied uh as much work as LeBron does to his craft if Cam Newton put in that type of effort into honing his craft. Right. For me, you've never seen the improvement, completion percentage, um really touchdown interception, just his quarterback play as a whole has never really evolved or gotten much better. And I think it's a lot of it's because he doesn't, he doesn't look at the details and say, all right, how am I going to be the best better, best player that I can be? I think he's like, you know what? I'm good. Like I can dominate the way I play. I don't need to do much more. And I think that's kind of, I, I don't like seeing that because I wish he would take a little bit more ownership of it because I see the upside could be so much higher for Cam Newton. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I'm a Cam Newton fan. And while there's a huge amount of potential and he's got an absolute like howitzer strapped to his like shoulder, like it's, it, there doesn't seem to be an attention to, to the finer details. And those are the ones that once you, once you're blessed with this talent, like you, you've got to be detail oriented, man. You've got to really dig into like what is going to separate you from the next guy, and that's in any sport. Like you, you really want to become uh, uh, as much of an authority at that craft. Like if you're shooting jumpers, or if you're running pick and roll, if you're pitching, whatever it is, you want the details to separate you from the guy who's got the the same type of arm strength and stuff as you do. And he doesn't seem to be as interested in those as he is in like his outfits and his cars. And I don't mean to right. throw any shade because I'm a big fan, right? But watching, um, I I tend to agree with you on that too. Like, that. well, so like, and I agree with it because he has he does some great things for children. He's got a great kid sure, show that my sure. daughters love watching. Um, you know, he's great influence for the community, all that, but I just see like, you're going to leave your career. And I think he left something on the table. Yep. And when you watch LeBron train and he hones his craft, every single offseason kind of picks one area that I don't, when I see, when I see Cam Newton, I still see him throwing off balance. I see still his release, which is really wrong, long. Yeah. Like he could definitely improve. That's the thing that I kind of feel like is the lost in all this. Cause Calvin Benjamin is not the right guy to deliver the message. 
Um, you know, he came in to over, uh, overweight a couple times. Like he's, he's clearly disgruntled about the trade. Right. And so it's a bad messenger, but I do feel he's onto something. So onto something. But Kelvin, take care of yourself, bro. Yeah. Like take care of yourself first. All right. Coming up, uh, the NBA never sleeps. Vegas odds set for team to win total, team win totals next season. Uh, we take a look next in picks and props. Stay tuned to Off the Bench with Canel and Bell. Welcome back to Off the Bench with Canel and Bell. It's time for Picks and Props, and I'm coming off the worst defeat in Picks and Props history. Danny, you weren't here for the Nationals-Mets pick, uh, luckily for you, but you're still in third place. As we mentioned before, we're going to reset the standings for football season in a couple weeks. But today, Westgate in Las Vegas set the odds for next season in the NBA. Win totals over under for NBA teams, so I'm going to go through a couple. And obviously, we're going to start with the Los Angeles Lakers, adding LeBron James. They are set at 48 and a half. Last year, they won 35 games. Now, when LeBron has joined teams in the past, he added 11 wins to the Heat in 2010-2011. The Cavs improved by 20 games in 2014-2015. Is there that much room for the Lakers to improve to get over 48 and a half this year? I think there is. First of all, let me just say something. I hate like the futures bets where you bet on the uh, over under for win totals. You know why? Because it takes forever. Like I, I don't have the patience <laughs> yeah. to put out money and then wait an entire oh, season please. to put it out there. So I'd very rarely take them. But I so last year, what made the playoffs the eight seed was the Minnesota Timberwolves in the West. They had forty seven wins. Uh, and I think the Lakers. I think I think they'll be more motivated. I think LeBron. I think sometimes we actually underestimate his greatness. I think they get over 48 and a half. I tell you who does not over underestimate, I mean, underestimate his greatness. Truly, yeah. <laughs> you with me? Yeah, he's good. It's over this year. Um, plus you're factoring in all of those guys have another year under their belt. Like Brandon Ingram just kind of hit his stride last year. So I think he'll have a much like better third year. Um, Kyle Kuzma, I don't know if he can like duplicate that production, but he'll be better pro. Uh, Lonzo Ball is going to be better. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm saying over with that. All right, I think we're all going to take over, which scares me. Just know that I'm marking these down for next April 16th. They're going to be <laughs> added to the standings in about eight months, nine months from now. Uh, rapid fire on some of these other ones, the over-under win totals. Uh, the Warriors, 62.5, which would be a four-and-a-half game improvement over last year. Under. You're gonna say, cause, yeah, because they don't care, and I don't think anything will change. I think they coast through the regular season. I don't think that changes. Ooh, Boogie Cousins. I know, right? Yeah, Boogie. <laughs> and and did, did last year scare them enough to realize that maybe home court matters because it was getting close, and if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, how does that play out? Maybe that scared him a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go over just to fade it. All right, there you <laughs> I'm going to say over just to say, hey, maybe they maybe they get after it. Uh, Rockets, 54.5, a little surprising. A That would be a 10-win drop-off from last season with 65 wins. Uh, they're over that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're going to be over it, too. I think so, too. Switching to the Eastern Conference, Celtics are the leader there with the most wins projected, 57 and a half. I'm going to say over. I think this is a breakout year for the Celtics. I think they're getting everybody back healthy. I think they'll be the number one seed. I think they will have some competition, though. The Raptors will continue to push them, the Sixers. And I think that will kind of rise them to the top. They won 55 last year with Gordon Hayward playing in like seven minutes of a season and Kyrie out for another third of the season. They're going to be over. Under. Uh, Sixers and Raptors both 54 and a half. Who has more wins between those two? Ooh, the Raptors. The Raptors. Look, the Sixers, you, did, you guys did not did, you guys did not have a great offseason, Debo. You lost a lot of shooting. Um, that space, jo- Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons both need that space. Markel Fultz, still a big question mark in my book. Uh, and the Raptors got like one of the top five players in the NBA uh, for DeMar DeRozan. Uh, and Danny Green, who was playing with a torn groin, he should be healthy this year. I think they're going to have more wins. I think it's easy. I think it's Toronto for sure. I think it's I think it's going to be interesting to watch Philly, how they respond to being sort of a, exactly, a team that people are looking at and saying, hey, we want to knock them off their perch. It's a lot of fun when Joel Embiid's out there tweeting in social media and all that, when you're the up-and-comer. Yeah. But how does... How do everybody react if they start going through a rough patch? What does it look like? And uh, as you mentioned, the Markel Fultz thing is way up in the air. Can I give another one of my isms real, real yeah. quick? Yeah. It ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun. <laughs> right? And, nope. right and now, now you're okay. So just be ready, Philly. I don't totally know what that means, but you're allowed to both be wrong. Uh, you obviously didn't see <laughs> Joel Embiid in the Africa game. Hannah's going to get to that in a minute. But first, Raja, I did some reading over the weekend, so you were able to do some reading today. Hit us with it. Ooh. 
All right, summer reading. We're back to yes. seven seconds or less. Jack, Love we call them. All right, here we go. This is referencing the Game 6 suspension. Bell comes by his temper naturally. Presented with the Kobe challenge, Bell's father, Roger, Roger uh, an athletic administrator at the University of Miami, would have possibly done something worse than a horse collar. Roger Bell has twice been kicked out of a 15-over basketball tournament for over-aggressiveness. One time breaking an opponent's nose. Rajai's mother and his sister, Tumbi, who was an outstanding college player, were there to enjoy the spectacle. I mean, damn, 50 and over? You'd think you'd be able to chill by that time, says Bell. But I understand it because my dad and I have the same temperament. We lose it. Then by the time we get back in the car, it's, oops, we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> now I know where everything stems from. Like, all of it. The anger management classes, yeah. you're getting kicked out of leagues, coaching your kids. Dude, so this was... This was just the norm, bro. This like, was, do you remember this moment though? Like yeah, this exact uh, moment of that? Uh, yeah, I was sitting <laughs> in the gym. The dude's nose? Yeah, it was at like Broward College and like the Masters tournament, and the dude was like, you know, who, my dad and I both have this type of guy. He gets under our skin. The guy who wants to play real, real physical and bang you up, right? And then when you foul him back, he's like oh, crying. And so this dude was doing a lot, and so pops just turned around and gave him one right in his nose, and that thing exploded like a ketchup packet. Pop. <laughs> So, they, they kicked us all so out. You have a temper. Your dad has a temper. Did you guys ever get into it? Yes, we did. You did? For Lauderdale Beach. <laughs> yeah, for Lauderdale basketball Beach. Basketball on the basketball court? We've always played on the same team. And this particular day, we got split up. We were on the beach. There was this big tournament out there or something like that. And we were just hooping. And I don't know what happened, but I was going through the air. I was about to dunk it. And he didn't mean to clip me. He just kind of got caught sideways. <laughs> um, and I don't know why I flipped. I was in ultra-competitive mode, but I said something I shouldn't have said. And we squared up, and we got to... And the park was like, that's your dad. He's your son. You got to stop. It was highly embarrassing. My mom was, was beefing. I got kicked out of the house for a while. Like it was, really? yeah, it was ugly, man, but never again. Like never again. We both right. realized like that's not like, and you guys put it behind you. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. We're good. Like my dad's my best friend. Like we, right. but we were in that moment. We were both <laughs> gone off the reservation. Um, all right. Let's go to the next one. Game six of the Lakers sons, uh, which I was suspended for. All right, guys. D'Antoni says clapping his hands. The good news is we won the game. The bad news is Raja got in a fight in a bar and he's out for game seven for a split second. A few players believe him, but D'Antoni's smile gives it away. Nash holds up his cell phone. It's Raja, guys. He says he wanted to tell us good game. Another cheer goes up. Bell had watched the game from a Beverly Hills restaurant accompanied by Kevin Tucker, uh, and two friends. Several fans had recognized him, but he managed not to get into a brawl. Do you remember the <laughs> restaurant you went to in Beverly Hills? Uh, I do. It was right off of Rodeo. I don't know the name, but it was upstairs in that like colonnade type of place. Yeah. Um, and I watched it at the bar. And funny story, I was there with Kevin, who's who was security. Um, and then I was there with uh, Ashley Smith, who was my PR uh, person at the time. And they were all over me, making sure nothing happened. And I had to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom, and I was in there, and there were two dudes in there. And one dude was talking some stuff about me, like, you know, to his buddy as they were washing their hands and they were talking Shh, like this. Didn't know, you know it was you, but, but straight reckless talk. Right. <laughs> and they didn't see me behind him. So when they looked up after washing their hands in the mirror, I was standing right behind him. My man got out of there. Like he saw a ghost. I mean, I wouldn't have done anything in a restaurant. Like I, <laughs> right. I you know, I'm typically not like that, but, but uh it was funny as hell. Like it could have been out in a movie or something that like that. Face. All right. Uh, that's it for our, our reading session, right? All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and skip ahead to socially relevant, where I break down what's happening around the world in social media. So who else would we talk about on social besides Joel Embiid? He kept really busy this weekend. He was all over the map. He's been in South Africa for the annual Africa game. And on Saturday, he tweeted out this picture of him wheeling some bricks with the caption, laying out bricks before the season starts so I don't miss tying shots in the playoffs. Then he posted this rather adorable video of him playing with the Lion Cub even though it looked a little painful on his end. As you can see, this, this guy scared to death. A bite of him. Even that little guy. Look at that left arm. Like, look how <laughs> stiff, like, his left arm is. There's, look, look, look. He's gnawing a little bit. He's like, taking a little chunk out of him, just play biting. Yeah, Danny, I'm sure this looked a little different than your vacation, right? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. I actually love this trip, though. Going to Africa, doing some charity work, obviously Absolutely. building stuff when they're throwing around bricks. Have you ever been to Africa? I have not. It is a must-see. I got to do it. I took my wife on our honeymoon. We went over and did a safari. We yeah. did South Africa. It's unbelievable. Uh, the country, the continent, all of it. Just go. If you have an opportunity to do that, it's awesome. Well, guys, it didn't stop there. Joel Embiid finally comments on maybe the biggest story of the year. Former Sixers GM Brian Colangelo's burner accounts that may be attributed to his wife. Here's what he said. It was hurtful because of the staff that was said in those tweets. But at the end of the day, I know who I am as a person, as a player. And actually, I appreciated everything that was said about me because if it was true, even if it wasn't, that stays in my mind. 
Of course, here's one of those tweets that Colangelo's wife sent out over a year ago from the infamous Eric Jr. account. So, Danny Raja, you can't blame Joel Embiid for saying that those comments stayed with him, right? Uh, no, you can't. Like, that's the, the highest level of betrayal. Like, a guy who's there in your camp, you see him on a day-to-day He's probably touting you as the franchise in the building every day. And to see these things come out behind your back, no, I can't blame him at all. That's that's That would have to be super hurtful. Which I think speaks to maybe why Colangelo is no longer there. Because maybe the brass went and asked Joel Embiid and asked some of the other players, hey, can you get over this? And they said no. And maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But, yeah, I don't blame him for saying it. And it's, it's, it's an open, honest answer, which I actually can appreciate. Yep. Well, that's all I got for you guys today on Socially Relevant. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell to keep up with all the latest that's going on. Danny, what you got coming up next? All right, good stuff, Hannah. We got some, some topics coming up. We have a punter versus the media beef. I oh, can't wow. believe this is actually a real story. And uh, interception season, SZN. SZN. Oh, they said it's a kid say it nowadays. Yeah. That has kicked off in Canada. Uh, stay tuned. We're coming up next with topics on Off the Bench. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. I cannot believe one of these topics because hunters should know their place on the team. <laughs> know your role, bro. The media. So what do you got, Debo? Yeah, I think we're all here for punter versus media member beef, and we have that out in Denver. Marquette King, a new Broncos acquisition, went on a Denver radio station the other day and was very brief with his answers. They cut it off very quickly because he just wasn't giving them anything. So the host called him out on Twitter, Marquette King went back and called him out. And then yesterday at practice, he had to be restrained from this radio guy. And he said, keep my name out of your mouth. But the Broncos PR staff had to restrain him. How do we see this uh, developing with punter versus the media? Bro, I love it. Oh, I love no. it. Come like, on. I love it. You're I, taking Marquette King's side? I'm taking player's side all the time. Who celebrated a punt? Come he on. Celebrate, he celebrated a punt? Yes. What do you mean? He got a, he, because he hit a punt, like pinned him back, like, woo, and then he like did some dance and, uh, got a, a flag for bro, it. Bro, punters can win games, oh, bro. Come on. Punters have to know their place. It's at the end of the bench. Punters have to know their place. <laughs> Go there and be quiet. But why he can't be beefing with the media? So here's what happened. Yeah. And this is where I kind of relate to this because I think it, we've all been in this situation. The longer you're in this business, you'll be there too. Yeah. He comes on the show and he's totally like not giving them any answers, like acting like he doesn't want to be there. And so the, the interview was cut short after like 90 seconds. And right. And they're like, well, why do the interview? They're talking about him after the fact saying, we don't care if you don't want to talk to us. Just don't come on here and disrespect us, <clears throat> which I think is totally fine because you've been in there when players don't want to be there and it's just awful for everybody. Yeah, sure. One of the guys that was a host of the show was Brandon Stokely, who played, you know, a long time in the NFL, played for the Broncos. Yeah. And it was just, it was disrespectful to those guys on this side of the microphone from a player. And from a punter, come on. You gotta be better than that. Bro, look. They, I would have said, you, let you've, him you've go. Had, you've had PR. I would have said, let the radio host go at him. You might have been able to take him down. You've had the PR team come over and make Absolutely. you do it. Make worse. you do an interview. I hated it. Like, so, like, if you, if you, maybe they caught him at a bad time. I don't know. Especially hey. during training camp. Like, you're, you're, yeah, tired. dude, you, you don't want to be there. there. Here's what could be interesting though, is Denver is a great sports town, great sports city. I don't think, I think the fans are going to side with Brandon Stokely because he had a lot more success than Marquette King, who already is disgruntled. He's only been there. A couple months. So this kid starts kicking seven oh, rockets in a altitude. high altitude. So yesterday wasn't the first time the game has ever beefed with his teammates. That's a G-Unit reference. So yesterday at the Drew League, he gets into this fight with an unnamed Drew League teammate. Uh, the fight occurred during the L.A. Summer League game on Sunday. It ultimately begs the question, why is the game in the Drew League? That, that <laughs> is the question. question. Yeah. I was wondering... Fighting his own teammate. Why is this newsworthy? Because like there were major news, like sport, like ESPN put it out. Yeah. I'm sure we probably covered it too. Why is that a news story? Like a a a, a game playing in a Drew League. But because well, the Drew fight. the Drew League is a huge league. A lot of pros <laughs> are playing. No, seriously, a lot of pros playing in Drew League. So um, why the game would make ESPN, I don't know. But why there would be coverage at the Drew League, I understand. Um, right. Your teammate. But that looked pretty. That looked pretty loose. Like that looked like a high school fight when all of a sudden people from the stands just all of a sudden are on the court like in two seconds. No, these things like, are. They <laughs> They are not very well, like, wild. policed. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> wild environments, man. So, but why, why are you fighting your teammates? Exactly. That's crazy. Shots. Move over 50 Cent, move <laughs> over Lloyd Banks. We have unnamed True League teammate as the next beef for the game. <laughs> so as Danny Cannell coined, maybe coined on Friday night, it's interception season. S-Z-N for Johnny Canadian football. Just a disastrous debut for Johnny Manziel in the CFL. 
throwing four picks and getting benched in his first start for the Montreal Alouettes. Just a massive loss to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. But as Manziel put it, the only way to go is up. He's not wrong. I didn't see true, that. True story. I feel bad about the tweet. Like, Ooh. seriously. I feel like I'm the <laughs> guy who... Do you ever delete tweets? Yeah, I didn't want to delete it because I don't like deleting tweets, but I felt like a jerk. Like, yeah. for saying that, because I, like, made a joke because at his expense. It wasn't even that good of a joke. And I actually can appreciate what he's going through more than most because I was in arena football throwing interceptions too, and that is the lowest of the low, and it was kind of kicking somebody when they're down. So for that, I feel bad for it. Just full, like I hope Manziel gets back. Sure. I love redemption stories. I love guys who come back from nowhere and are able to get back to the top. So I feel bad for that. Like seriously, I'm not. Oh, sure. I hear you. Like I feel bad about that. I, I kind of ripped him. It was he, too easy though. He uh, How's his next I, game play out. Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing that was really unfair to Manziel and that nobody really talked about because they're just talking about how bad he looked. He only was in practice. He just was traded like a week or two ago. He only played four or five practices. Right. It's impossible to learn any system, college, uh, NFL, or Canadian League football. To ask him to go out there and execute was completely unfair from the team's part. And it looked like they just wanted to get him out there to sell tickets and kind of reinfuse some energy and yeah. team, which has been awful. Quickly. Yeah. Um, how different is it playing a quarterback position with three downs versus right. four and a 12th man on the field and like motions where you have to time it up where they can run at the line it's yeah a totally different ball game like for them to ask him to go out there and expect him to succeed was completely unfair and hopefully it doesn't set him back in his comeback but it seems like he's handling it the way he yep. should for sure our final topic before we get to a new positive way to end the show with Danny. Uh, nothing says team bonding and choking away a potential spot at the college football playoff like playing paintball with your team. And that's what James Franklin did last week. But it didn't end up well for James. Uh, warning graphic content to follow. Oh, he decided to take his team out for this outing, you know, develop chemistry during camp. It backfired quite literally. He showed the media on Saturday what happened to his cool. body after he got hit by these paintballs, and it was after he surrendered. So he surrendered, put his gun up in the air, and then the team just unloaded. Hit him up. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. That's, that's a, fi- a suspendable offense. Paintball? So, yeah, my son, like, wanted to do it for his 11th birthday, like, fired up, in love with the idea of playing paintball. We all went out there, had a blast. He left there saying, I don't want to paintball anymore. Like, I don't I don't love it either. Like, we had a good time, but those things hurt. Right. But this is – your if you're a coach, you're a head coach, you're asking for that type of punishment. Yeah. Because if you're going to play a game and it's going to be competitive and it's going to have the players the opportunity to display some sort of power and get revenge over any time you've chewed them out or made them run extra, <laughs> they are going to take advantage of it. And that's exactly what happened. I love that they did it after he surrendered, too. Oh. They're like, no way. You're not getting out of it this easy. Um, so I love that. All right. So we're going to finish off the show a little bit differently now. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's try to get people to like, like me a little bit more, become more likable. Purely your segment. Yeah. All maybe right, go. Like the Twitter <laughs> rehab segment. So this is a little feel good story. Yeah. Right? So we're going to end it on a positive note. And if you saw anything online over the weekend, this was trending. It was Ryan Shazier, uh, going out and walking at, uh, practice for the Steelers at Steelers camp on Saturday. This was really cool to see it's eight months after he had spinal surgery. Off of that awful incident on the field. So this was truly a feel-good story. No matter what happens, if he ever gets back to the NFL, which he stated he wants to, this is awesome inspiration for so many people who have to overcome any type of obstacle. Really yeah, cool. no doubt. It was awesome to see. Um, you know, very. You can see the progress from the last time you saw him walk, which was on draft night. And yeah. So hopefully continued progress in terms of his rehab. And it's a feel-good story all the way around. Yep, for sure. All right, so keep it up, Ryan. Keep inspiring us and everybody else out there that's watching. All right, I like the new ending. Feel good. No I doubt. Like so have feel good the rest of the day. And uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Canel and Bell.